So my job was washing floors and I tried to get him promoted to doing fries and then to doing Big Macs, but I failed my promotion to Big Macs. Welcome, guys, to another week of Funny Business. Today with me, I have Alina Timofeyeva from Oliver Wyman. Alina, how are you? I'm very good. Thank you very much, Kent, for inviting me here today. Absolutely. We're super happy to have you on the show. I am really excited to talk about your journey just in general. For those of you who don't know much about Alina, she grew up in post-Soviet Russia, and now she lives in London, and the journey that you took is just amazing, and I would love to hear you share that story from your own perspective, because obviously I've only read about it. So let's just, let's let's rewind the clock a little bit, and uh, where did you come from, and what was your childhood like? Yeah, so I was born in Russia, just as you mentioned, and it was a small area called Sonseva. Now, Sonseva is probably not a known place for you guys, but it's mainly known for Sonsevska Mafia, which is one of the biggest and most dangerous in Russia. And specifically when I was growing up, it was 1990, so it was exactly when the Soviet Union fell down and there was quite a lot of mafia at that point in time. What's interesting about me, I wasn't brought up by my parents, I was brought up by my grandmother. And she had a big age difference with me. So she was like more than 50 years old. So that's more than half a century older. And she came from this like Soviet school. So she was not very educated because she only went to school. She really wanted me to stay home, be a housewife, take care of my future husband and my future kids. And I guess what is more interesting, she was very risk averse. So she would always tell me, you know, don't do this, don't do this. If you do this, something will happen, something will happen. And what's quite interesting, I now do technology, but when I was growing up with my grandmother, we didn't have anything. So we didn't have like a washing machine or a dishwasher or like even an electronic kettle. And what I do remember when we used to go to some of our contacts or friends, my grandmother would get in a lift. It was completely dark because there was like no light at all. And she would literally pray so that the lift goes up without, you know, getting stuck in the middle. And that was probably my main exposure to technology at the time, which sounds quite funny because I do a lot of innovation right now. That's nuts. Okay, so how do you go from post-Soviet Russia to now being in like the leading tech industry? Yeah, so it took quite some time. So I'll probably mention one more story because I think it's quite fun. My first job was in McDonald's and McDonald's on its own is a corporate. Mm -hmm. So my job was washing floors. And I tried to get him promoted to doing fries and then to doing Big Macs, but I failed my promotion to Big Macs. But what was very good about McDonald's for me is it kind of gave me an idea of a corporate, how it works, that you have all these different tiers, and it's essentially a franchise brought from US. So I was quite interested in the nature of a corporate. And when I was in Russia, I managed to win the Moscow Olympiad in maths. I went to the best uni to study maths as a scientist. And after this, I applied to 500 jobs in UK. It was quite a lot of jobs. And I think the worst thing about these 500 jobs, they made me fill in every single question. Like it wasn't just your name, your email. It was literally, why do you really want to work with us? How are we different from somebody else? What will you bring to us? 
So I had to research all these 500 companies. And I guess one day I would apply to audit, one day to something like investment bank, one day to technology. And the main problem for me was I didn't have a work permit. So to give you an idea, if you want a job in UK for a graduate job or even later on, they need to prove they couldn't find anybody with your skill set in UK or Europe. So it is quite hard, in particular for a graduate job. And as a result, I couldn't apply to like normal, simple jobs. I had to apply to really big corporates. And even then, there was quite some hassle because not all of them could do the work permit. So in a nutshell, I was applying to all these wonderful corporates. I failed very many times. In the end, I did get three offers and I moved to London six and a half years ago to start as a graduate in consulting, technology consulting in Accenture. I read that you've had quite the fast track when it has come to promotions and getting ahead of the game. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, the first three years were hard because the first three years I really stood up in terms of being not fitting in the culture and not necessarily, you know, fitting into the corporate. And at the same time, I was this Russian girl from a small town, which kind of was quite unusual for everyone. So the first three years were hard and then it really picked up. So I've been promoted four times over less than four years. And basically this is every year I get promoted. While you're climbing that ladder or while you climbed that ladder, where did you discover your insights to be able to keep yourself at the top of your game? Some of the stuff I had to really study. So my soft skills when I joined were not very great. My background is scientific. As I said, I won the maths Olympiad and I went to this vast uni in maths. So my brain works very, very fast. So I can pick up very, very quickly some new things. The main thing which I had to do is to observe the people around me, to learn from them, to get the feedback, to get the feedback as much as I can as early in the process, Mm -hmm. and then go back to them and say, have I really become better Am I, you know, performing at the next level, et cetera, et cetera. I think when I first started, and one of the things I perhaps didn't mention, my grandmother saw me as a housewife. So anything to do with this corporate growth and promotions was very, very new to me. And I had to learn quite a lot in terms of seeing what are the good ways to find the sponsors? What are the good ways to build your business case? What are the ways to you know, to showcase what you are doing. Something which has been happening over the last couple of years, I've been winning quite a lot of awards in UK in the sector of technology. So those are awards like Rising Star in technology, Top 100 Women in Technology. And this was helping me build my profile in UK and wider. So uh, let me ask you this. When you're going and pushing ahead in, in your technology, are you thinking about what awards you can get? Or is it about the work? Or, or, is it, or is it a combination of both? Like, how, what's your approach when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, my awards are ultimately related to my work, but I think they cover three key areas. So one is something which I do day to day on my job. So some of the projects I've been working on were innovative and they themselves on its own got awards without you know my name on it. So for example, one of them was an innovative approach to credit decisioning, which was built between KPMG, my old company, and Google, 
which was found as something quite interesting and new. The second thing people tend to look at from the awards is the personal journey, you know, where you were before, like say McDonald's and how you moved from McDonald's to UK and up the ladder. And the third thing is giving back. So I've been doing quite a lot of mentoring and I wasn't doing it because of awards. I was doing it before. And the reason for it, I didn't have a mentor when I came to UK. I really didn't fit in. And I was that little girl from the countryside. I don't know. I don't think people wanted to help me that much. So I really want to give back now to the community in terms of taking the younger girls or even the migrants as well and helping them up the ladder in their corporates. So what is your favorite thing to teach those young women in, in business and technology? I would say it's probably don't believe people when they say that you can't do it. And my experience with that was when I started as an analyst, as a graduate analyst, I really wanted, you know, to grow and to grow fast. And I was told in my third year that I don't suit consulting, I don't suit Accenture, I don't suit, you know, this promotion, whatever it was. And I think sometimes people get very upset when they hear something like this and they kind of close and they become more introverted. Whereas in my case, I thought it's a good idea, you know, to take an action and to show that you can do it. Okay, so it sounds like you're managing a lot of different things. Obviously, you're hopping in between business and mentoring and all these other different things. How do you achieve efficiency with what you do on a day-to-day -day basis? I think that there are two key things. So number one is asking for feedback. So that's something which I have mentioned before. The key for me with this feedback is asking it early in the process. So instead of waiting for six months to figure out what I could do differently, it's asking every month. And the second part to it, going back to these people, it can be not only just my bosses, but it will be the people that work with me, the people that work under me. So it's 360 feedback, essentially. It's getting this feedback loop and understanding have I improved or not. And I think what's really important for me here is getting this view early in the process rather than waiting, you know, and doing something wrong. And I guess the second thing which really helps me is my mathematical background, not so much from the mathematics angle, but from the way that my brain works very, very quickly. So I can go through the options very, very quickly. So I can take decisions very quickly. And sometimes those decisions work, sometimes they don't. But again, I can take a decision very quickly to change it. How long did it take you to go from winning the Science Olympiad to mm. actually getting into the business industry? So the science, you mean the Maths Olympiad. So the Maths Olympiad in enabled me to go to university and it was free of charge. I think I spent six years on education, so I have a bachelor and two masters. Okay. After that, it took me another six and a half years to go from graduate analyst to associate partner, which is still quite quick. It's probably two or three years quicker, two or three times quicker than most of my peers. So what would you say is the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in your field today? I would say that there are two. So the first one was confidence. When I came to UK, I didn't know anybody and I've never had the role models before. So I've never seen anyone either in my family or friends or surroundings actually go to work as a woman. 
And uh, it was very unusual when I turned up to a corporate. My first question was, what happens with maternity leave? Do I get money for one child or for two children if I get twins? So that was very funny because I didn't fit in. And the second thing was the cultural angle. So when I came, I was this Russian girl and many of my colleagues made movies about me. So in some, I was a spy who was seducing somebody and giving the secrets to KGB. And some of them, they wanted me to bring a T-shirt with the face of Putin from Russia, which is really authentic, from the authentic street made in Russia, out of Russian cotton. Or they wanted little AK-47s, like the toy ones. So there was a lot of these jokes, which were just in a way funny. But in a way, they kind of kept me a little bit from being focused on what I really want to do in terms of work. What did you do to, to break through that? Uh, perception. I mean, uh, funnily, my first presentation in Accenture when I worked in Accenture it was around how would the Russian housewives see the British people? And it was a very funny presentation because it talked about all these differences in terms of small talk, in terms of, you know, AK-47, the Putin, the caviar, the beers in the street, etc., etc. And I won an award for that presentation, which is probably my first and so far the only award for the presentation because it was so funny. I think I've made two-way conversations. So the first is speaking to, you know, my colleagues who perhaps have never seen these Russian people and kind of telling them about how we tend to grow up, about all our housewife mindset, stuff like that. And the second one was also understanding more about the British people. So I read a book which is called Watching the English. It's 500 pages. It goes into all the levels of high society, medium, low society, and how they eat, sleep, watch television, what they read, et cetera, et cetera. The only problem, the book didn't really give me all the scale of the real life thing, but it helped. I guess, in a way to understand that we're different. I guess one of my first experiences with my colleagues was when they came to me and asked, how was your day or how was your weekend? And it was literally my first week. So I was like, oh, basically, I didn't get paid. I got kicked out of the house. I also am living with somebody who doesn't have any Wi-Fi or mirror or heating. Okay. And there was like a long discussion about it. But nobody asked me about how I was for the next year or so. So it was so, I guess, different that we all had to take the steps to come together into something which is well understood. What is it that you love the best about what you do? I really like the fact that I work a lot with business. So I don't just treat technology as technology. So I do a lot of cloud transformation, but for me, it comes not like let's go to cloud because it's fancy and trendy and everybody is doing it. I'm treating it from a business problem. So for example, some people want to be faster or more innovative in a particular use case, like giving out credit to people, or maybe the call center or contact center. And then I'm really in between the business and the technical people, and it's a very good role because sometimes technical people are very, very, very tacky, so they don't get the business. And the businessy people are too businessy, so they don't get the tech. So I'm the person who runs in between and unites them on a common goal of bringing technology to serve the customers. And I think that's the thing which I really 
enjoy because I like seeing the transformation. I like seeing the change. But at the same time, I don't want to be a data scientist in a dark room coding, which perhaps I would have done in my university. I would really want to see how the actual customers transform and how do they get all these benefits. So I want to kind of get down to the meat and potatoes of what the Funny Buzzes podcast is. It's always good to recognize that other people out there are basically doing what you are, but better in some way, form, or function. And I love the idea that good artists create on their own or they borrow, but great artists steal. So what have you stolen from somebody else and how have you put your own twist on it for your business? I guess throughout my career, I worked in different companies. So I started in Accenture, which is more known as a technology partner. I went to KPMG, which is more known as an SME focus. And now I'm in Oliver Wyman, which is more strategy house and maybe short-term implementation. So throughout my career, I have been picking up the key things from different people. And I think if these are the British people, it would sometimes be the softer skills like small talk, which I've never seen in Russia. If it's, you know, Accenture, it would be something more technical. How do you work with offshore teams? How do you bring together these fast paced, huge projects to work together? Something which I picked up from KPMG is how do you do, you know, specific SME areas? So things like credit decisioning or call center, some very specific SME focus. And I guess now in Oliver Wyman, I'm very focused in bringing this all together because from the strategy point of view, it's a higher picture. Mm -hmm. So it's not as detailed as implementation, but it's broader across a number of areas. I would probably say that learning has been one of my key skills. I would say stealing, I call it feedback loop but you can call it stealing. So how do cloud services serve the best interest of any given company? So one of the things which I mentioned is looking at it not purely from the technical change. So what I've seen many of the customers doing over the last two, three years is going to cloud because they want to save money or somebody else has done it or they just are told that they should be doing it. But they don't think about the wider business benefits. And one of the things which I advocate quite a lot is thinking, what is this key business compelling driver of why you want to go to cloud? Is it something which is regulatory angle or is it you know, moving out of a data center? Is it completely transforming your operations? And depending on this driver, you would have a different answer. So for example, if it's transforming the operations like credit decisioning, in my example, it will be you know, re-engineering really using cloud to your advantage. If it's something like moving out of a data center, it's going to be very specific to a time frame, and you may need to do a lift and shift, which is perhaps not as transformative, but perhaps something easier, which you can do within that timeline. And if it's a pure cosplay, then you need to be very specific in terms of where you are today, what you want to achieve, and be very cool about what are the benefits and how you track them. I would probably say with most of the clients, it's important to see what are the actual benefits they get from using cloud and how they measure them and how they want to you know, keep measuring them and getting them. What I tend to see is people do something on a piece of paper, like a strategy, but they don't bother about it later on. And as a result, they don't 
get these benefits. They spend a lot of money, but they don't get the benefits they want to get. And that's where I come in usually. For you, Oliver Wyman, who is your ideal client? And what's the first step that people should take for getting in contact uh, to work with them? So just to give you an idea, Oliver Wyman, they are similar to McKinsey. So they are maybe a tier two to McKinsey, but essentially uh, they focus quite a lot on strategy and some implementation, not as detailed as Accenture would do it, but there is an angle of implementation. So I personally focus on digital. So it's anything to do with data, cloud, digital transformation. And I personally focus on banking just because I have been historically working with HSBC, JP Morgan, and those are the clients which I have been maintaining throughout the years. The way Oliver Wyman works, sometimes it's UK focused. Sometimes you could travel a lot you know, to US, for example. And I think what's important for me from the client is making sure that they understand or they can work with us on what is the actual business challenge which they want to solve. And then we can figure out together how technology plays with this. Another big thing is bringing together the key stakeholders because one of the challenges with the clients is, especially if these are big banks, there may be too many stakeholders, too many departments, and it's bringing them on board with this change, with this business use case is something which takes time. So it's something which the client can do themselves or we could support them throughout our work. Uh, what's the, the first steps that a client should, uh, a potential client should go through in order to work with you guys? Well, a lot of my work is not purely delivery, but it's actually identifying the clients, identifying their business needs and supporting them throughout it. So from the client perspective, usually they would have some sort of a challenge which they want to solve. They would go to a number of providers. It can be Oliver Wyman, it can be somebody else. It can be an RFP, which is tender for work, right? Or it can come through the relationships which they already have established with the consultants. I would probably say that the first key thing is trying to identify what they want to solve from the bigger picture. They may not know how exactly to do it. They may not know, you know, how the technology will play or the wider business elements would play, but at least having the need to transform would be important. Where should our audience go to learn more about you? So it's probably LinkedIn. I have started using LinkedIn quite a lot recently. And I guess it's part of my wider story. When I came to UK, I had zero connections, but it's been growing. Well, guys, thank you for watching from home, please be sure to uh, put a like and a share and uh, subscribe to the channel. And Alina, thank you so, so much for being on the show. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks for inviting. Absolutely. See you guys next week. Want to learn the tricks of our trade? We have them all laid out in our courses on Harmon Brothers University. This isn't surface level stuff here. This is our entire playbook, all our secrets laid out in full, the same training we give our own employees. You'll find courses on ad buying, writing video scripts to sell your product or service, creating the kind of large production ads we're known for, even making short ads using nothing but your cell phone. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, Harmon Brothers University has the course for you. Our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. Take these reviews as living proof. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, 
And most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. We saw immediate results. Sales went up 10x the first day. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers. Go to harmanbrothersuniversity.com to start accelerating your business's growth with video.